those who'd like to follow along, we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 12 through to verse 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We all know, don't we, that suffering happens. Um, There's a famous bumper sticker that says something to that extent. And we know that suffering can take many forms. We know that uh, for Peter's audience that he he was writing this letter to, they were facing uh, persecution, they were facing uh, distrust and, and dislike and prejudice. Uh, being surrounded by a community that was hostile to Jesus and to his message. But we know that we have an enemy who doesn't like Jesus and his gospel. And the enemy can attack in other ways. We see, for example, in the book of Job, where Job has the loss of his family and his house and his crops, and his health. And all of these things can be taken away from us sometimes in our lives. We can face loss. Somebody dear to us dies. Or even if they don't die, somebody who has committed to spend their life with us breaks that promise. Or we might find find that we face the loss of our health when the doctor says that dreaded word cancer or you know that that's one that many of us in, in this church have faced at some point or any other kind of terrible diagnosis we can suffer through our you know, losing our finances, losing our stability. People can lose their homes back to the bank. They can uh, lose their businesses in a difficult season. We can face all sorts of suffering and hardships in our lives. And all of us have faced it. But I look around this room and I know that some of us have faced it more than others. And in those times, 
when suffering happens, it can be so easy to wonder, what have I done wrong? Where did I go wrong? What should I have done? As if God is punishing us. As if had we only done the right thing, these sufferings may not have happened. And it shows that I think deep down myself and and I think most of us have an expectation that this shouldn't happen to us. Aren't we supposed to be God's chosen people? Aren't we supposed to be those who overcome the world? Aren't we supposed to be loved by our Heavenly Father? But in this passage, Peter, he doesn't tell us so much what to do in suffering. But Peter tells us a number of things that we should know when suffering happens. There are are a few commands throughout this passage, but the commands are things like, do not be surprised at the trial that you are facing that has come on to test you as though something strange were happening. To those who are being uh, persecuted, to those who are suffering, the first thing Peter wants to remind them is, "Don't, don't be surprised. It's not unusual. You're not... Suffering does not mean that you are being punished. Suffering does not mean that God is angry. Instead, he says, suffering is not unexpected for those who follow Jesus. And I think that a lot of us, we know that suffering doesn't mean God is angry at you. We know that it doesn't mean God is angry. But then, do we know that in our hearts when the suffering actually happens? Our world is broken. Some people think that Christians are immune from the suffering that's caused in a broken world. Therefore, if suffering persists in your life, you mustn't have enough faith. If you had more faith, then your suffering would be ended. Or maybe there is some undisclosed sin in your life and you need to find that and root it out so that when that's all dealt with, then your suffering will end. I'll tell you, sometimes I believe that lie. Sometimes I fall for that temptation to think God is angry at me. I must be doing something wrong. And that's not to say, I'm not trying to stand up here as to say I've never done anything wrong. But I don't think that the hard times that I've faced are the result of that. They're the result of the fact that we live in a broken world. And they're the result of the fact that even when we follow Jesus, he told us to expect that persecution might happen. And again, not all persecution is mobs with pitchforks and burning down churches. The devil... You know, and, and those subtle things and the family breakdowns and the, and the disease and all of these things can be part of his ways of trying to waylay us from serving God. 
Sometimes when I hear that lie inside my head, I wish it were true. Sometimes I wish that Christians could be immune from these things if only we would have enough faith, if only we would get everything right. But all that does is alienate people who are suffering in a broken world. The New Testament is clear that suffering can and does happen to those who believe and to those who are faithful followers of Jesus. How much did the disciples suffer as they spread the good news to the ends of the earth? How many times in Acts do we read of riots and persecutions arising against these fledgling churches? How often do we hear about, uh, well, do do we read letters from Paul where he writes about his being in chains or the letters that he wrote while he was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel? So don't be surprised when suffering happens, when we face it all. But Peter reminds us more than that. He gives us a better hope than just, don't be surprised, it's going to happen, just deal with it. He tells us rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Our suffering has a way of bringing us closer to Jesus. Our suffering has a way of opening our eyes to what it was that Jesus has done for us. Christ entered into this broken world out of perfection, out of perfect relationship with the Father and a place where sin could not be present. And he came and he entered into the brokenness of this fallen world with all of its sin and all of its turmoil and all of its sicknesses and diseases and heartaches and pains. And he entered into that and he embraced it. He came to suffer, to save the people that he loved. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus came to teach people about God, that his death at the hands of Roman executioners was not an accidental and tragic end to the story, but that it was his plan from the very beginning. That Jesus came to teach us and to show us who God is, And then to show that most perfectly, to show that love of God for us as he died on a cross. Not just facing the brutal pain of nails through his hands and his feet and the blood loss and the inability to breathe properly and all of the shame of the cross. But the Bible teaches that on the cross... He bore for us God's wrath, God's punishment against all of the sins of the world. 
that he who had no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ entered the brokenness of our world for us and it's only because of him that we have a way out of that brokenness, that there is a way that what is broken can be made whole and set right. And so Peter says to the suffering, don't be ashamed, don't be afraid, don't give up, but rejoice. What does Peter mean calling us to rejoice in suffering? That mean, you know, as they come and burn our church down, we, we dance around it and have a party? Is, is that the sort of rejoicing that, that Peter is advocating to these people in their time of persecution? Does it mean we rub our hands together because, oh boy, I love conflict and I love argumentation and this is, this is just the best time for that? Peter tells us rejoice because suffering leads to joy. When Jesus' glory is revealed. Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The sufferings in this life have a way of putting into perspective the joys of this life and making us realise that what we hope for, what we long for, is not a longer life in a broken world, is not having the most money in a broken world, but what we long for is to be able to see our Saviour on that day when he makes everything new again. Suffering helps us to look forward to that day more and more and hold on loosely to the things of this world. And the Bible is not uh, dualist. It doesn't teach us that everything in this world is evil and that everything you know, must be shunned. But as we suffer, it helps us to realise that even the greatest pleasures that we have pale in insignificance to what we will know when things are made right. We rejoice also, Peter tells us, because the Spirit rests on us in a special way in our suffering. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And we know that when the spirit rests on us, it doesn't always look like, you know, dancing on the mountaintops. But the Bible teaches us that the spirit does so many things, gives us strength and endurance to carry on. And importantly, in times of suffering, the Spirit takes our groans, the things that we're wrestling with that we don't even know how to put into words to bring to God. And the Spirit knows it all. And the Spirit brings those groans to God and intercedes for us. So what does it look like to rejoice in suffering? It doesn't look like denying suffering. It doesn't, no, no, this is fine, this is easy, everything's A-OK. It doesn't mean enjoying suffering. Uh, we're not called to be masochists. 
But it might be honesty in bringing all of these, all of your wrestles and worries to God in prayer on a day where you can't even get out of bed. It might be grace over a rushed and scraped together meal in the midst of the busyness and hecticness of life. It might be taking the time to just find and dwell on the one blessing on an awful and painful day. And we can rejoice as where every bit of brokenness that we see in our lives and in the world around us reminds us of what Christ has saved us from. The promise, the down payment has been made and we know that it will happen in his time. What Christ has saved us from by his blood, as Sam has reminded us of this morning. So, Peter encourages us when we go through suffering, don't be surprised, but rejoice in it. Bring it to God and let it remind us of the great hope that we have. And as we follow the example of Jesus, uh, who suffered without you know, responding to violence with violence, and responding to accusations with accusations, who made no threats when he was brought before the authorities. As we follow the example of Jesus, it's so important that we get that example right. And so Peter does encourage us to check ourselves. As he says, not all suffering means that you're on the right track. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Don't suffer for being a criminal. Don't suffer for being a jerk. For, you know, even if you might be telling, telling the truth, if people kick back on you because you've been telling the truth without love, that's not what Peter is talking about here. Now, this seems obvious, right? Don't, you know, don't be, don't suffer as a criminal. Don't suffer for uh, being unloving and, and not showing the grace and mercy of Jesus. But unfortunately, even in modern times, we've seen all sorts of examples of misguided suffering in our world. We had, um, oh, going back on about five years ago now, there was a, a shooting, a, a mass shooting over in America at a uh, Planned Parenthood place. Uh, and we know, and that was not the first one, first time that that's happened. There have been over 11 deaths in America uh, of, of uh, doctors or uh, people who work at those sort of places done by people who believe that they're doing God's work. Now, we all believe in the sanctity of human life and that doesn't mean just standing for the sanctity of the lives of the unborn. But to murder in the name of Jesus is to not understand the example of Jesus. 
And to take it down a step from that kind of extreme example, even things like I remember uh, meeting, when I was back at uni, I remember meeting a friend in Rundle Mall uh, and there was this group of preachers there. And my friend who wasn't a Christian was watching these preachers and I was really embarrassed about it. Not because I was ashamed of the gospel, but, be, but because this wasn't the gospel. Because it was a message of hate. And it is true that there are some things that God hates with regards to sin. But if that is the entirety of your message, that is not the gospel. The gospel is about how Christ entered into a world full of the sin that he hated to save the people who hated him and who were his enemies, that in him we might have everlasting life. So, Paul, uh, Paul, Peter encourages us, don't suffer as a criminal. Don't suffer even for being a jerk, for, for not showing the graciousness and the love of Jesus. So when suffering comes, it is good for us to test and to evaluate. Just make sure that I'm not the cause of my own suffering, that it's not because of things that I've done wrong. But remembering and balancing that with that reminder that suffering does happen that is not our fault, but is a result of the brokenness in this world. It's good to just take that time to test, have I followed Christ's example? Have I promoted the truth in love? It's good to be reminded that of all the things that we believe in, all the things that we do, the ends do not justify the means. And sharing the gospel or doing what we believe is a good thing does not justify sin and, uh, and failing to follow Christ's example. But if we do suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that we bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who don't obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And it is hard for the righteous to be saved. It took the Son of God dying on a cross and bearing all of our sins for us to be able to be saved. It wasn't something God could just click his fingers and, hey, we're, we're without sin again. It was hard for us to be saved. But fortunately for us, Jesus did all the heavy lifting that we would not have been able to do for ourselves. When we suffer, if you suffer, as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. That's the thing that we have to hold on to throughout our suffering. Yes, there are times when that name can be inconvenient. There can be times when those who don't like our dad don't like us because we bear his name. But it means that we belong to his family. It means that we belong to him. 
It means we can be confident about his judgment, about that day that is coming when he will get rid of the brokenness in this world. And Peter talks about this judgment. We can be confident at the judgment. Peter talks about judgment beginning with God's family. It is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be? For those who do not obey the gospel of God. And you look at that, what does it mean judgment will begin with God's household? It can be very confusing if we understand judgment to be the same word as punishment. If we understand it to be saying punishment will start with God's household. But for those who have put their hope in Jesus, God's judgment will be that we don't need punishment because all of our sins were punished when Jesus bore them in our place all those years ago. And so even in our suffering, we can praise God for a hope that we have because our future is as certain as the faithfulness of God. It can be hard for us to face that it might be God's will for us to go through a time of suffering. But that's what Peter says here. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to go to do good to do good. It might be God's will for me to go through a time of suffering or for you. But through it we can have a certain hope that we will not face the ultimate suffering. Being separated from our Creator being cast out from those who he has saved. And through it all, we can commit ourselves in perfect trust to a faithful creator, to a loving father. And as Peter has encouraged us, we can press on doing the good that he has given us to do, not being dissuaded because... The suffering has made it hard. But trusting in him and going on. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word that encourages us even and sometimes most especially in those hardest times. Sometimes we wish that the message was easier, that those who are in Christ might never have to suffer, but that we can overcome everything simply by having enough faith. But Lord, we know that that is not the way that it is in this broken world. In this world that has been torn apart by sin and selfishness, but we thank you that you entered into that world and suffered for us to give us a hope of the day when all the brokenness might be healed and all things made new. And so, Lord, in every suffering, we pray that you will help us to lift our eyes to you and that will not suddenly make the suffering pleasant 
uh, and, or, or fun, but it will remind us of what it, what it is that you have done for us by sending Jesus so that we might have a hope of a future where there is no more of this brokenness and pain and sin. Let us put our hope in you at all times, when life is easy, but also and especially when it isn't. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot,